Blog Talk Radio. It's a gridiron stud show and a promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. Show. It's 10 a.m. It's Monday. It's Chad Wilson and Emil Calamino, and it's the weekend football rap show. Emil, you know, I'm maybe ashamed to admit this, but I didn't see any of that Pittsburgh-Baltimore game yesterday, and I, I just saw that failed onside kick. That's that's classic, my friend. That's good stuff. Oh, man. Oh, well, listen, first of all, you shouldn't apologize for not watching much of that game. There wasn't much of it worth watching, really. It was 21 nothing until midway through the fourth quarter. I think the Steelers cracked 100 yards of offense with about 12 minutes left in the game, which, on another note, is not something I'm happy about because it makes them very desperate at home next week when they play my Cowboys, but that's a different conversation. And then that onside kick was just, oh, that was special. He's in the bloopers forever, that guy. He just etched himself in NFL history. I don't know what in the world he was trying to do. Actually, I, I watched, I think, a, a couple of college football kickers execute that uh, flawlessly this weekend. Flawless is not the word I would use for what I just saw there. Just one of a number of things we're going to talk about here on the Gridiron Stud Show today. If you want to join us on the show, the number is 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. Again, also follow us. On our new Gridiron Stud Show Twitter account, it's G-I-S Show B-G. Again, at G-I-S Show B-G for the new Gridiron Studs Twitter account. So if you uh, can't make it to the phones and uh, call us today, we'll always welcome your questions and comments right there on our Twitter account. Again, at G-I-S Show B-G. I don't know where to start. Plenty of football this weekend. Uh, A lot of things went on. How about, though, uh, let's just talk about some of those side things. Uh, did you happen to catch Travis Kelsey's complete meltdown yesterday as the uh, Chiefs took on the Jaguars? I found it absolutely hilarious. That when he tossed his towel you're talking about? Oh, that was great. Yeah, when he tossed his towel. I mean, um, yeah, yeah, that was he great. Tossed- he lost his mind, but he did it in a funny way. I mean, he's not going to find it funny when he gets the, the bill from the league or, you know, he got tossed out of the game. His coach probably didn't think it was funny, but as a fan, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I'm sure he factored all that in when uh, he started to go nuts that he was going to get, you know, an, an envelope on Tuesday from the league, um, both admonishing him for his behavior and then also lightening up his check a little bit. But uh, just for a recap, for those of you who didn't see it, uh, Travis Kelsey and play in the in the red zone, in the end zone, actually, um, I believe he thought he was interfered with on the play and had something to say about it and wouldn't stop. And I guess said whatever the magic words are. So referee throws a flag. He realized, well, there's a flag on this play now, and it's not on the guy I think it should be on. So he turns around, looks at the ref, takes his towel off, throws his towel at the ref. The ref then takes his hat and flips it in the air to you know, signify another personal foul. And then Gene Serator, who was a white hat in the game, he comes in, he throws his flag, 
And then you had a couple of Jackson, uh, Jacksonville Jaguar players simulate throwing their flags. It, it's really a, a funny, funny story. Oh, yeah. It's something, it was definitely that – was one, that was one where I have to say that was classic. That's like Terrell Owens signing the football with the Sharpie in his, in his uh, sock. That's one I'll, I'll always – that was a good one. <laughs> Hey, speaking of that, though, do you do you miss Terrell Owens and his antics? I mean, I kind of do. I mean, they, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah but he couldn't more. play anymore. This is the this is the no fun league anymore. I mean, you couldn't have Ter- Terrell be broke. He'd be getting fined so much in this in this climate. Are you kidding me? Yeah, he uh, play. You know, got a, they've got to lighten up on some of that right there. So Travis Kelsey providing some side entertainment, which is needed when you have a game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville. Jaguars. I, you know, I don't know what to do with that franchise. You know, I was at Jacksonville's Alltel Stadium a couple of weeks ago for the Georgia-Florida game. And aside from the performance of the Jacksonville Jaguars year in, year out, you're just looking at the city of Jacksonville, its location, the stadium, all that. And you just wondered, how did this, how did they get a franchise to Jacksonville, Florida? I mean, whose grand idea was it's that? Funny that you, you know, it's actually funny that you say this, and I'm gonna, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll watch how I phrase this. Saturday, for some reason, we got on the subject of Jacksonville, my wife and I. It might have been the Florida-Georgia game being played there every year, and and she just looked at me and goes, how did they end up basically with an NFL team? Because we were talking about it. I said, I don't, I said right. they ended up with a Super Bowl there. I can't figure that out. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I, I don't get it myself. You know, they're talking about moving the Oakland Raiders from uh, Oakland to Las Vegas, where where do they need to move the Jacksonville Jaguars? Let you and I play. How about to uh, Oakland? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, right? Uh, those fans there in Oakland deserve a franchise, don't they? I mean, you can't you can't move the Raiders out of Oakland to, to Las Vegas. I don't know what the attendance has been for the Raiders, but for all those years that the Raiders have sucked, those fans show up with the spiked shoulder pads, Painted yeah, places. and maybe they don't pack the stadium. Uh, you know, which I will say do. this: if they move to Vegas, Vegas to me, as far as the way I perceive the Raider franchise, is a much better fit than that move thirty years ago to L.A. The Raiders never fit in L.A. I mean, the Rams were there. The Rams wear the you know the L.A. type colors. You know, the gold pants, the royal blue Dodger stuff. They look LA-ish. The Raiders kind of never fit. They came down with that silver and black stuff, and they played they in the Coliseum. There, though, Angle. I mean, they were in it all the time. And, I mean, and they they won a Super Bowl. I'm not arguing that. I'm telling you that, and you you have family out there. I mean, I've a lot. Of, I worked with a lot of people over the years, and just because people that had work came from companies like Canon that were out on the West Coast that were out there, and they were just like, their opinion was, listen, they just. You know, one guy said, listen, I was scared to take my kids to Raider games. He said they just never, I don't know, they don't fit. To me, they didn't never fit L.A. I mean, and they left, so apparently it didn't work because they didn't fit L.A. They left and went back to where they came from. For me, they kind of do fit that Las Vegas image. I mean, right. <laughs> the Raider, the, you know, the silver and black. I could see them in Las Vegas for some reason. I guess. I mean, we could go on and on on the plus and minuses of moving a franchise, uh, an NFL franchise, to Las Vegas, but we, we're not going to do that today. Wait, but but you let's know go back to why they're moving. Chad, they have a terrible stadium. There's a mm-hmm. ballot referendum that's on the ballot tomorrow, I believe, that requires a supermajority where they would pay for, you know, the town would agree to raise the occupancy tax on hotels 
to pay for 1.1 billion of the 1.8 billion uh, required to build a new stadium. It needs about a 66. I think it needs two thirds vote from the people to pass. It might not get 50 percent. So the people there aren't going to build them a stadium. And we can argue all day whether we think that that community should have to build billionaire stadiums. I get that, but that's just the cost of doing business. Because if they won't, someone else will. So. <laughs> True. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. And I guess Las Vegas is going to be that place to, you know, sign up for that. They, they want that there. But um, I'm just, I see those fans out there, those Oakland Raider fans. And you know what, Amo, I, I guess they're going to just show up to Las Vegas, too. They, they will travel, but, you know. Oh, it's a short, what is it? From, from L.A. to Vegas is a $49 flight. It can't be much Well, you're saying the L.A. They're currently in Oakland, though. I mean Oakland, but I'm saying people from L.A. get to Vegas. I know in for for like 49 or 59 bucks on one of those puddle jumper flights. I'm sure the flight from Oakland to to Las Vegas can't be that much more. It'll be like a you know it'll be cheaper than driving someplace most likely. So they'll go. They'll go to Las Vegas. They don't care. I guess. Um, just something about the Raiders tells me they need to be in Oakland. But ne- nevertheless. I- Speaking of the Raiders, the actual Raiders and the actual football going on, how about them last night? You know, I sent you the the text about what about a a uh, Cowboys-Raiders Super Bowl, and uh, you promptly reminded me that the New England Patriots play in the AFC, so that's, I guess, impossible. Amos, is that what you're telling me? No, I'm down with that. I love, listen, you know me, I'm old school. I love, besides my own team, I love the old school when, you know, the Raiders were good when we were kids. The Dolphins, I mean, honestly, when I'm not watching the Cowboys, they're the kind of teams I, I like to pull for the Rams because they're from Southern California. I like to pull for the Raiders and Dolphins because I like the teams when they were kids. When I was a kid, I hated the Steelers and the AFC, so they were the good team. So, hey, I'd be down with that in a second. But, I mean, uh, I'm, just, enough, I'm though, just um For all of the history between these two teams, that Super Bowl never happened. And, you know, when I mentioned that to you, I was like, hey, you know, that, that Super Bowl never happened. And it probably it got close. Happen. You know, you know, the closest it came it, that I can remember happening was um, two times. 1980, the Raiders defeated, I believe it was the Chargers in the AFC Championship game. On the other side of the bracket, the Cowboys uh, and Danny White had a trip to Philadelphia uh, for for the, the the championship game against the Eagles. And Wilbert Montgomery uh, went nuts on him that day. The Eagles won 20-7, to and the Eagles ended up losing to the Raiders in the Super Bowl. It got real close that particular year. That was the one that I think uh, was probably the best chance in our lifetime, if I'm thinking back, of getting there. Yeah, I just found it funny that that had never happened. So uh, maybe it will. Maybe that'll, you know, there'll be an upset maybe. It'd be a huge upset, I guess. Hey, I'm tapping the brakes on the Cowboys, so I'm really tapping the brakes on the Raiders beating the Patriots. But I I would love it. Let me go on record. From your mouth to God's ears, if I'm allowed to say that on on this show, um, from your mouth to God's ears, I'd love it to happen. But let's tap the brakes on the Cowboys and the Raiders until we just get a little further along. I think they're both legit contenders, but let's let them play a little more football. Well, how about – you know, you you brought up from from my mouth to God's ears. You brought up a situation in high school football on Friday's Football Friday show. Did you ever go and investigate that? And you know, for those who didn't 
here on Friday. Give a little background on what you were talking about Friday regarding high school football and the prayer before a game. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about it. My uh, high school alma mater has a very good, uh, you know, we have six classes here in Pennsylvania, small school, double A football program. Uh, second winning is coach in the state for 44 years. He's been there. Uh, they're the Dunmore Bucks. They come out of the locker room and they get down on a knee in a circle and he leads them in a prayer. Well, we got a group out of Madison, Wisconsin, the freedom from religion group. What a name, right? Um, yeah. They, they, awesome. they got a quote-unquote letter from a concerned citizen. Um, I'll believe that if they ever post a letter somewhere. They can redact the citizen's name. I'd love to see that. But uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. they said that there was concern over this prayer that's been going on for 44 years because, of course, the 80-year-old coach is a school official and can't lead the team in prayer. So everything got fixed on Friday night. They came out of the locker room. I posted it on your uh, – with a I, I tagged you. I think I showed you the picture. I don't know if you saw it. They came no, out. They, the team they, ran they, down to the end zone. They all got on a knee, and one of the players led them in the prayer. So congratulations. Mission accomplished. Exactly you got the kids. You, to... predicted. you predicted that this right. is exactly what would happen. And so uh, kudos to that. Kudos to the kids, and kudos to that. What's, what's, the, what's the next move there? I would love to know. Uh, I'm sure the folks. They're trying to get the fans. We're playing for the district championship next week. Uh, the team's 11-0. and 0. They're playing a team they've already defeated, but a good, a good ball club that's 10-1. Uh, the, the game's at home. They're trying to get the you know three to five thousand people on the home side to to, to participate in the prayer. So out loud, let's say it together. Wow, um, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun for the freedom of religion folks. Um, but you know, uh, what's, what can I say? This um, strike one up for God. Uh, so strike you know, one up. Hey, hey, listen, you got to read one of the guys that I is a little couple of years older than me went to school with me and uh I guess he went on their their Facebook page and started tormenting them and he he took some screenshots and I mean and these people you know just angry they're telling them you know good for you you know you didn't you didn't win your te- your your community's no closer because of this we got you to stop praying illegally we slapped you with the constitution and I'm thinking to myself really that's, that's really what that that makes you happy. I mean, that's so. To me, I see people like that differently. I see them as very angry people that completely don't have a lot miserable. going on in their life. You know. Yeah. No, that's that's just completely miserable and you know a tad bit unbelievable. Even in this day and age, I didn't even know that there was an organization called that, and they seem to be um, extremely committed to their cause. All right. Well, uh, we do need to talk about some actual football that went on the field this weekend. Of course, this is the Weekend wrap edition, so we got to talk some college football, NFL football, Alabama, LSU, the big game this weekend. What did we learn from that? Um, what in the world is wrong with the Florida Gators offense? Why can't they fix it? Why has it been down for so long? It cost them a football game this weekend, if I could say that. Uh, big Ten football on the rise. We need to talk about that. And uh, also, let's talk about the rankings and who we think should be in and who we should be out. Also going to talk some NFL football. Why do the Packers keep taking L's? The Dolphins are on the rise. The Vikings are collapsing. And uh, why don't we give our top five NFL football teams? Why don't we do that today? Well, since we, you know, our society uh, likes uh, rankings, countdowns. Uh, so we're going to rank today. How about that? Okay. All right. We'll do so that. we're going to rank top five NFL teams. We're going to do that more when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show, stay with us. We'll be back right after this. 
this be the self-self-friction. You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Are you a property owner or want to be one, but you don't have time for property management? Then get an MVP on your team. Who has time for the letting process, for arranging inventories and organizing pre-tenancy cleaning, dealing with deposit negotiations, and negotiating with service suppliers and maintenance. No one's got time for that. MVP does, though. Get this MVP on your team. You can rely on MVP Property Management to offer you an extreme amount of quality and professional services for your money. And because they know that everyone is different, they pride themselves in providing a professionalized service to each and every one of their clients. So how do you get this MVP on your team? It's simple. Pick up the phone and call right now. 844-696-8722. That's 844-MY-MVP-CC. Or send an email to info at mymvp.cc. Get this MVP on your team and start winning today. to the Rolex wearing diamond ring wearing kid stealing woo, wheeling dealing limousine riding jet flying son of a gun and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down woo. Yeah. I uh, I have a mandate. You just threw a top five on me. 
yes. for the NFL, which is easy. Uh, but at the no, end of the show, no, I need easy. your not final easy. prediction. If you think it's easy, Amo, I'm coming at you. Okay. Well, I know you'll do something just to be different. You've been like that for 15 years, so why stop now? Of course. Absolutely. But that said, I need a final prediction on the electoral count that you expect on Wednesday morning. We're gonna, I made my prediction online. That deep, my friend. I, I mean, Hillary's going to win this thing, but you're going to have to give me I some need time. A count. I'll get, I gave scores here. I gave a final score on my Facebook page. I've got it Hillary 290, Trump 248. Anybody okay, want to comment? Yeah, feel free. Yeah, roll with that. I probably think Hillary will be somewhere around in the 270s. Wow, you're thinking really close. Oh, boy. Okay, well, we'll see. Okay, we'll see. Okay, back to football. Let's go. I think I'm lacking some faith uh, based on some things I've seen, but nevertheless. Um, you know what, Amon? Give me some time on that. Maybe I've made that thing a little bit too close. I, that that You can't throw me on something like that. Come on. This is a sports show. You can't hit me with a political bomb. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, if, you know, if that you call that wussing out, then that's exactly what – I'm doing. You know what was close, though, and some did not really expect that to be? Uh, Alabama LSU football game this weekend. Uh, Listen, Alabama's been out there scoring points left and right. Uh, Blaine Kiffin's been doing his thing. LSU has looked a whole lot better offensively under Ed Ogeron and some of the changes that they made. Mind you, they hadn't played really top-of-the-line competition. So all the thought in the world is that we're going to see a more offensive game than we've seen in the past between these two teams. Nope. Right back to the old well, school. Um, smash, smash mouth football and uh, low scoring and all about defense. Very SEC. I think LSU is probably the closest thing in this conference to what I've seen with, you know, we'll get to them a little later, Florida. They remind me a lot of Florida. LSU can play defense. That's not the problem there. But – you know, and Alabama does this to a lot of teams, so I kind of give them a pass. But LSU's offense is usually unimaginative unless they're playing a team where they just have superior talent. Um, I think Alabama did LSU a favor on Saturday because I fear had LSU somehow won that game, they would have hired Coach Ogeron. And, uh, you know, it seems it seems like they need to do a more extensive search than just hand it over to him at this point. So uh, You're not – uh, you're, you're not in favor of Ogeron taking over. Um, I like him as a as a coach, and the one thing that concerned me is the way he left Doesn't USC like when he didn't when when he didn't get the job. Um, he just stormed out. It it showed to me a level, you know, I guess uh, of emotional immaturity that I think you need a little bit more of that when you're going to head up a program. So, um. You know, I would probably be looking more extensively. I'm not saying he can't be a candidate for the job. I mean, he should certainly interview. Oh, you know, that, that talk could piss him off at USC, Abel. He could be a candidate. Uh, we'd come in for an interview. But a guy in that situation knows what that is. We're doing like we're doing you a favor. We're going to interview you. Um, and uh, you can always say that we interviewed you. But mm, you're not getting this job. Yeah, I guess. I just, you know, like I said, I, I think that – a lot of the talk of him, you know, he always comes in and does a good job because he's a good motivator, so the kids initially respond to him. But you were getting a lot of talk of him coming in based on three wins, Missouri, Southern Miss, and Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is a dumpster fire right now. We all know that. So, you know, 
the Alabama game was, was really the first true test he's faced. They got shut out. They're going to play at Arkansas next week. We saw what Arkansas can do at home. So I'll be interested to see what they do there. And then they play Florida. So I think they're going to be the living tar out of Arkansas. They're going to come in like Arkansas did against Florida, mad about the loss, and they're going to go out there and, and probably beat up Arkansas. It just, it's going to set up a very interesting meeting the following week between them and Florida, provided that Florida can find enough points to surpass their former head coach, uh, Will Muschamp, when he comes to town with the South Florida, uh, the uh, South well, One thing I know about the Florida LSU game that I'm fairly certain of is that the baseball game that they play in the spring may involve more, more scoring than that football game. You know, uh, and just when you say something like that, there'll be this massive amount of scoring. I didn't expect when I went last year to the LSU-Florida game to see a 35-28 football game. Um, two very good defenses. You had Trayon Harris at quarterback. You had Brandon Harris at quarterback for LSU. No reason to believe that either one of these teams would go uh, and score more than two touchdowns on either side. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. But well, wait, we don't need to talk. Alabama is – they did what Alabama did in this game. I want to get to the real – to me, the real story. And I know it's not probably not something you want to relive, but what the hell happened Saturday at Arkansas? What the hell happened there? Um, you know what I saw there? I saw an unprepared football team. And we can go – you know, obviously the big story is going to be the offense because it was a total lack of that um, in the game for – for the, for the Gators, uh, Luke Del Rio ended up 19 of 37 for 229 yards. Uh, a, a lot of those yards came in the last drive or two when Arkansas had you know, a sizable lead. Um, couldn't run the football. If you throw Del Rio's numbers uh, in there in terms of rushing because he was sacked several times, um, Florida barely got above, uh, you know, barely had any positive yards rushing. And it's just a story. They had 14 rushing attempts in the game. How do you – listen, if you made me sit down and tell you in a real simplistic way what I think has been ailing Florida for several years now, and I'm a real believer in this and you know I am, and I think you are too because we usually agree on this, you build an offense from the inside out. If you can't block the plays, the rest of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. It doesn't matter who the running backs are. They've got talent at running back. They've got talent outside. It may not be, you know, the best in the country. I don't know enough about that, the roster, but I know the kid that played for you is the running back, Scarlett. He's a good football player. They have talent. They can't block anybody, Chad. When you're, when you're running the ball 14 times, for 12 yards, and this is like every game. They don't gouge people on the ground. They should at least be able to run the football consistently, and they can't. No, um, and, and listen, here's what I've noticed, of, you know, about just just offensive football uh, in general in this day and age. People seem to be, uh, coaches, offensive coordinators, seem to be more willing to get creative, to find ways to pass the football than they are uh, willing or able to get creative running the football. And um, I think that's a lot of what you had going on in this game. I mean, the, the, the run plays were basically uh, trying to run this thing up the middle uh, predictably. Um, the offensive line couldn't really block it. You got a yard, or maybe you didn't get a 
you know, a gain on that play. And so now let's go to let's go to a pass play because the running game's not working. And I think if they could have been a little bit more patient with the ground game, try to do some some you know other things in the rushing game. Perhaps you send a guy. Perhaps you send Callaway in motion um, as if he's going to get a reverse. Something. Get a little creative there. Uh, a toss play. Well, sure. Um, I mean, there's there's um, always the misdirection that you can do to get a running game started. I I I feel what you're saying there. I mean, and that makes sense. And you would know. I mean, you coach against against offense, so you understand what can throw your defense off. But let me ask you this: Are my eyes deceiving me? You go to most of these games, you see them live. When I watch Florida games on my TV set, I just don't see a team that has the ability to put a hat on a person up front and move the line of scrimmage when they need to, even if it's for two yards on, yeah, on third and two. Yeah, against quality opponents, absolutely. Against some of the less than quality opponents, I noticed some of that. That doesn't mean you, you don't run the football. Um, you get a little more creative in your ground game until you can either get those type of players into your program or, uh, you know, you, you coach those players up, up front to the point where they can get like that. It doesn't mean you stop running the, the football. You can, you can change your formations. You can do something. It just you don't get to that point. You can't be in this conference anymore. And have that as your mindset. Well, we can't run the ball, so we're going to throw the ball around. And I think another thing, too, is, is that I feel, uh, whether it's Coach McElwain and, or Doug Nussmeyer, both, I think they're overestimating what it is they have at quarterback. And I'm not here to beat up Luke Del Rio. But the truth of the matter is, is that he's never been a full-time starter on a college football team. He's essentially somewhat of a, you know, a freshman, really. He's never really been in this position as the guy, as a starter. And I think they're putting a little bit too much on this guy. Find creative ways to run that football. Work the play action. Give this guy something good to look at when he drops back to pass. Because, it, you know, really early on in that game, Arkansas realized these guys can't run the football. So, um, you know, we've made this team one-dimensional. And they're just not, not going to win uh, as a one-dimensional football team. That's just not going to happen. No, I mean, you know, they're one for 11 on third down. That speaks to what you're saying. I mean, you can't throw the ball on third down when you're consistently behind the chains. You know, you're giving your quarterback third and six, third and ten. That that just doesn't work. So you're going to be one for 11 on third down. Leads to a lot of short drives. Uh, you know, the defense wasn't isn't immune from criticism in this game. I think a little bit of it is they wore down and they got discouraged. But that said, they you know they allowed two hundred twenty three. That's exactly what happened. And just the whole team looked unprepared. Yeah. And I think a lot of it had to do with, um, and this is tough, and this happens uh, really at all levels of football. But college football, you really got to watch out for it. They saw an Arkansas team get completely smashed by Auburn. 56 to three and Auburn's not the best team in the SEC. So I think some of the mindset there was, we just came off of this uh, tough game against Georgia. We're feeling good about ourselves. Uh, we'll just go get this victory against Arkansas and then, you know, come back and beat South Carolina. And we're good. We're on our way to Atlanta. And they just went out there with the wrong uh, mindset. And I'm not just talking players. I'm thinking players, coaches, everyone on down the road. Yeah. Guys falling out left and right. It just was a bad performance all the way around. Well, it happens, and they better, you know, as we talked about earlier with South Carolina last week, you, you, you got to be careful. When they beat Tennessee, we saw that coming. They they better be on their, their game and be ready to play South Carolina. 
Uh, they've improved, as you you pointed out, with the, when they when they went to the new quarterback. They've played some decent defense all season, which doesn't bode well for Florida because it's a team that can get you into a, a low scoring game and maybe pull off an upset. So hopefully they're ready to play against South Carolina. Yeah, um, and it's just my last note on it again. I think going forward, uh, Florida is just going to have to find uh, ways to run the football, and uh, if that if that means including. Uh, Brandon Powell, number four, including Antonio Callaway into this whole thing. Um, you've got to find a way to run the football because this is just not going to fly against the LSU or if you find your way into uh, the SEC championship game. You know, you're going you're gonna to get yourself smashed against an Alabama if you don't find something a little bit more creative than just turning around and handing the ball and running it. Or do you even see that happening against an Alabama? Are they just going to be able to snap the ball, turn around and hand it to Scarlett and expect something great to happen? No way in hell. So I think if they're trying to do anything, you better find creative ways to run the football. Because if Alabama or LSU makes you one-dimensional, you're looking at a whole bunch of turnovers and punts. That's all you're going to be getting. Yep. So that's where we are with that. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more during the week about uh, the Florida Gators and, and where they're going and what needs to happen is, you know, because uh, again, the Gridiron Stud Show is a daily show now airing at 10 a.m. So we'll get a little bit more in depth to that for the Gator fans that are interested in that. But let's talk about some other things that went down in college football this weekend. You know, one of the things I want to talk about is Big Ten football. Um, it, two, three years ago, Angle, we were making fun of this conference, were we not? Oh no! It's yeah. I know where you're going with this. We were making fun of it, and you you know, and I know what brought the Big Ten back is when you get coaches like Meyer and Harbaugh into the league. It forces everyone else to step up their game, and as they say, competition makes everyone better. And that's I think what happened here. You know, they it was it was very simple. Either you're going to get better and keep up with these two, or at least try to keep up with them, or you're going to get embarrassed on a weekly basis. I don't know if it was, uh, you know, part of the game plan, a concerted effort by the Big Ten to do this. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just figuring it's probably the individual schools. But they understand really what controls college football, and that is the college football coaches. And they've got two of the best right now in their conference. And like you said, it's up the game for everyone. I mean, Wisconsin's playing good football. Um, you've got Penn State trying to do big things. I mean, look at what they did to Iowa. You know, now Iowa's got yep. – you know, totally rethink what it is they're doing there because just being, um, you know, doing the minimum and, and, and sticking to their plan or whatever, it's just not working for them this year. Maybe it's an anomaly, um, but you've got that going on. And um, they're starting to look really, really powerful. Even a place like Illinois, Emil, um, who's not really winning. They did pick up a, a very interesting win this weekend, but they go out and hire Lovey Smith. I mean, it's a name. I mean, it's Illinois yep. program is Illinois program, but they've got a name there. And um, that they've moved to stars. Uh, we're going to get stars as, as coaches in the Big Ten. I feel there's a little bit of a, you know, I, I, you always wonder in a year like this, is it a one-off? I mean, two programs that definitely have taken a step back this year. Iowa, no doubt, um, you know, they're sitting at five and four. And frankly, some of that schedule is littered with some less than impressive showings, like the 14-7 win over Rutgers. They went to Penn State Saturday, as you mentioned. They got absolutely throttled. And then the other one, which is really a surprise, is just Michigan State. I mean, they're they're not just having an off year; they're awful. I mean, they're two and seven. They have a win against a directional school in Notre Dame, who's who's equally as bad. They haven't won a conference game yet. They're zero and six in the in the Big Ten East. 
I mean, I, I don't know what to make of that program. Is it, is it a temporary step back, or are they kind of going to regress to a mediocre program now? I am going to right now hold off on saying um, that they're, you know, it's, I'm going to go more with an anomaly because I know what the nuts and bolts of the Michigan State program is. Uh, I know that they coach well. I know that they have a philosophy there. Uh, but understand that when you can't com- when you can't recruit on the level of a Michigan or Ohio State in your conference, it's going to be tough for you to be a 9-10 win, 11 win team each and every year. You're going to have those step back years, and this might be it. Now, if they come again next year with something like this, and, and you know, it's a sign of a, a, a really big problem, and it would just indicate that Ohio State and Michigan have really um, torn down torn down the Michigan State program, and then Michigan State's going to be forced to um, make a decision. Can they continue on with it, Antonio, or do they, too, need to go uh, find a, a big-name star coach um, that can pull in some of the four- and five-stars that are out there? I don't know. That's going to be an interesting development to watch in this conference. Um, speaking of another Yeah, coach, I don't think I, – I'm with you, by the way, just for the record. I uh... – I think it is a one-off. I mean, I just wanted to hear your thoughts. I don't think Michigan State's going to be consistently a 5-7 and seven team. I think they'll get the ship right at there, and they'll be back to being a very competitive team in that, that, that side of the big uh, – Yeah, the big, at, the uh, core, at the core, they've got good things going on. Notre Dame, though. Um, Jekyll and Hyde over these last two weeks pull off the big win against the University of Miami, and now they go out and lose to Navy, who's been a problem for Notre Dame. Uh, Emil, I, you, I think we brought this up earlier this year, and you were convinced that this shouldn't be the case. But Brian Kelly, can he stay at Notre Dame? Well, I, I mean, I don't think you – if you look at his history, I, I don't think you fire him after this year. I think he gets another year. I mean, if they have a similarly disastrous season next season, then I'd say maybe you look at making a change. He's signed through 2020. Not that money's ever stopped Notre Dame. We know that with the previous coaching hires and firings. But uh, I I think he's done enough there to earn himself a one-year pass. I mean, when he came there, the program was not in great shape. He quickly restored the luster. They they lost that national championship game to Alabama. You could argue whether they should have been in it or not, but that was pre-playoff, and they were in it, and that's that. And, uh, you know, they played in a big bowl game last year against Ohio State. They had a good season. So I think – I, I think he gets a one-year pass if he wants it. He may be looking for something else, as you've noted. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that that's what's going on there. I'm, I'm convinced that that's happening at Notre Dame. Um, I'm kind of convinced that that's what's happening at UCLA. I know that's been happening at Arizona for the last two years. Rich Rodriguez is not into the job um, that he has right there, and we'll talk about what went down with them this weekend. I mean, you sent me some text about it. Um, not a good performance for Arizona. But uh, I, I just think you have that going on in, in a few places. And this may be the norm going forward, Emil, where coaches are coaching, but they're not really into the program that they're coaching because there are negotiations and talks and, um, you know, behind the scenes fiddling around with other possible job openings. I mean, there's some good job openings out there and some others that are going to come open. And Brian Kelly might want out of Notre Dame. He may see the handwriting on the wall. I, this is like well, – this is what everyone else has said about this job over the last few years, uh, is that you know, I'm just not going to be able to get the guy that I need to get here to, to do what people expect to be done at Notre Dame. I don't see, you know, speak, you, you hit a, a lot in that sentence there as you went from, you bounced there from Notre Dame, which I agree with you and UCLA and Arizona, but on Arizona's front, I don't see how Rich Rod hangs on there. I mean, 
They're two and seven. He might not, and 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 you know apparently he he might not because when you lose, I mean Washington State no doubt is a much improved football team this year. They've got a quarterback now, and they can put up points. But you can't lose sixty nine seven to Washington you, State. I'm sorry. No, you can't. And, I, and like I said, I don't think he cares. You fire him, you got to pay him. Um, so I think that's just where he's at. He just uh, I, I happen to know he had some interest, strong interest in some other jobs that were open last year. He didn't get them. Um, and I just don't think he wants to be in Arizona. I think it's just not what he thought it was going to be. He's not going to be able to do the things he wants to do there. Um, and we're not we're not there. We don't know what the relationship is like with the athletic director and you know all the people that make football decisions there. I mean, Rich Rod may be looking at this situation like, well, I don't think I'm going to get the help that I need here. And in this conference is on the rise. Got Washington and Washington State doing big things. USC is USC. Uh, Stanford's tough every year. How am I going to compete here? And I think he at some point saw some handwriting on the wall. And at this point, he's just going through the motions. Um, if I could say that. But again, 69-7 loss to Washington State in that game. They couldn't really muster anything uh, on offense. And and when when in the world does Washington State, coached by Mike Leach, hold someone to seven points in, in conference play? I know. That, that's even more surprising. Yeah, how the heck does that happen? I mean, especially when he's 69. I mean, we've long known that uh, for Mike Leach, defense is just something you do while you're waiting to get back out on offense. And in doing so, <laughs> allowed only seven points. But I think you answered your own question there. That that therein lies the big problem with you know with Arizona. I mean, you know, it's one thing to give up the sixty nine, which is bad enough. But when you only score seven against a team that usually hasn't made defense much of a priority, it's it's concerning. I mean, you know, yeah, like, it's, it's almost. You know, you I mean, sixty nine to thirty one is still a major blowout. Uh, but 69 to 7 tells me just the 7 alone. Let's say this was 49 to 7, 42 to 7. The 7 for Arizona against Washington State tells me um, some important people in this program are disinterested. Yeah, they just weren't into the game. In other words, basically they 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 went they went through the the proverbial motions. They went up there. I mean, I'm not you know. I'm not sure Alabama beat you 69-7 most weeks. Hell, I think. Mean, yeah, um, seven points. I mean, just against a Washington – I mean, that's similar to me, you know, uh, watching a game in which Texas Tech only gives up seven points. It just – it can't happen. You almost score by accident against Texas Tech or a Washington State. Um, so, that's yeah. just uh, absolutely amazing to me. What to make Amal the number six team in the country beating the number 10 team in the country by 59 points? talking Ohio State, Nebraska. I am going to tell you this, and you know what? It's a shame that my my picks suck so bad. We'll get to that this year. Chad's got a nine-game lead on me, by the way, folks. Um, But for some godforsaken reason, I thought that was going to be a blowout. I mentioned it uh, Mm -hmm. when we talked about the game, and I didn't have the guts to make it a pick. Uh, I just had a feeling. Let me fire up the violin for you. Can we get, you know, get that? Well, listen, that's no excuse. There's no excuse there. I'm just telling you I had that feeling that Ohio State was going to put one on Nebraska because the last couple, you know, games. This is something a little more than that, isn't it? You're the number 10 team in the country, and you got your face pushed in by 59 points. Well, wait a second. Let me ask you something. We've talked about this for years. 
you know what I know. You can't go by those rankings. These these idiots that do rankings, they rank teams based on their record. Most of them have no idea strength of schedule. They do rankings for college football the way you would do them in the NFL, except in the NFL almost everybody plays everybody. So so your record is your record. I get that. Six yeah. to three? I never thought Nebraska was. I never thought Nebraska was a top ten team. But yes, sixty-two-three is surprising. But you know, again, uh, Ohio State's been waiting to erupt. They've played three. They've played three pretty poor games in a row by their standards. It was only a matter of time before they got their ship righted. They have too much talent at Ohio State, um, and when they get that thing rolling, it probably felt good based on how tough the games have been the last few weeks, and they were not taking their foot off the gas pedal. They were just enjoying every minute of it. Clearly, clearly uh, some pent-up frustration there for Ohio State over the last few weeks being unleashed on uh, Mike Riley's Nebraska Cornhuskers. Last thing to talk about before we recap the picks this weekend, what in the world did Texas A&M just do? Uh I mean, you you like uh, – let me say this. They have a lot of talent there, but you like A&M uh, more than I do. I kind of felt that they were a little, playing a little bit above themselves in certain areas, uh, and I, I kind of thought that was coming. I mean, not there in that spot, Mississippi but I, I didn't see – no, I didn't see them as a, as a Final Four team. Let me put it that way. Yeah, I was a little surprised that they were uh, ranked fourth in the initial college – football committee ranking. So, but I mean, if they weren't fourth, they will ever fifth or sixth team, no lower than seven. Uh, and then you lose to Mississippi state. Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think they just got caught in one of those situations in a very difficult conference. I think t- sometimes a team Trying to relax. isn't, yeah, they just, they let their, you know, they, they breathe. Oh, Good, we're playing Mississippi State. They just lost to Kentucky. What's Kentucky? And then all of a sudden, you realize, guess what? They've got some football players at Mississippi State. They may not have as many as you do, but your guys are unprepared. Theirs are prepared, and you're going to lose today, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, um, I mean, you can't relax on the road in the SEC. I mean, even no, against you the can't relax. you can't do I it. don't think in any of the major conferences anymore. Uh, especially the you know the, you know the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12. I don't think you can relax on the road. I mean, th- there's just too much parity anymore in college football. Uh, you know, speaking of what you're saying in all these games, you know, you know what bugs the hell out of me now. Tomorrow night, uh, election night, I guess we get the next set of rankings, right? Sure. Is that is that, is that when they Tuesdays? Yeah, um, Tuesday night. That you know, you mentioned a couple lost, games talk here. About a lost story, but yeah. Yeah, right. Here's what bugs me, though. You said Nebraska. What was the final? 62-3, to right? Yep, all that. How do you lose a football game in November? Now, we're not talking about August or September. We're talking November. You lose 62-3, to and yet you remain in the top 20. How does that happen? 62-3. to I mean, think what, about that. One game, I guess, they, they're going to give you a mulligan. They've lost their last two now. I mean, so so they lost their last two. One was by by eight touchdowns. Um, how about Baylor? They remain in the top twenty-five. They got beat at home, I believe. They're at home, right? TCU, a four and four team, walked into Waco and beat them sixty-two twenty-two. Yet they remain well, in the top the twenty-five. Committee, maybe the college football committee will make some sense out of that tomorrow night. I don't know. 
I just don't yeah, know what to make of people with these. You know, for me, you lose by 40 points teams? at home. Who's behind? Hard? Who's behind these guys? Think yeah, about well, that. let's see. Who are others receiving votes? USC six and three. They've they've they're in the oh, next one. They've won five. Wait, no, no. Let's keep going. I want to keep going here. Arkansas, the next team. They're six and three. They just they just beat up a team that was in the top ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're telling me that Baylor belongs in the top twenty-five, losing by forty points at home to a four and four team. Not that no, it really matters those because teams that you mentioned should be in uh, ahead of Baylor. San Diego State has a, has a, a more legitimate case at this point. That, that I mean, Baylor, tough, you're going to leave them in the top twenty-five. Come on. That's a tough one. You know, the San Diego State thing. That's going to be a real tough one. That would be a hard argument. But, all right, let's kill that. I let's, talk, let's, let's jump into uh, the predictions real quick so we can hit a break and get back and hit up on the NFL or some things we need to talk about there. Um, not one of my uh, – It's you know, I've been hot in college football. And, well, I mean, uh, you know, I think I had three or four weeks in a row where I went two and one. That's not what happened this weekend. I went out on a limb. There weren't, you know, a lot of clear games for me. I just wasn't seeing the board clearly. So – I, uh, I took some risks this weekend. didn't pay off for me. Uh, I backed Georgia Tech in their game against North Carolina, and Georgia Tech just couldn't play defense at all um, and ended up losing 48-20 to 20 against North Carolina, who's, you know, a team that's all over the place. One week they look great. Next week you're scratching your head about them. So uh, I happened to go against them the week where they were, you know, looking really, really great. So Georgia Tech plus 10 was a loss for me. My other loser was thinking that Missouri could go on the road and, and win a football game. Um, I didn't even need them to do that. Just can you keep it close and stay within a field goal? No chance. They lose by 10 points to South Carolina. has got a little momentum. I really figured South Carolina, after that win against Tennessee at home, would be um, off mentally. And uh, maybe they were, but they weren't off enough to get me a cover on this one. Missouri plus six and a half was a loser for me. My lone winner, and I'm kind of proud of this pick, is I, I think Florida State – is uh, going to struggle to find reasons to play this season. Um, they'll obviously get up for the last game uh, against Florida because it's a you know, state rivalry game, but um, it's a tough situation for them. They haven't been in this kind of a position for a long time. So um, on the road against uh, NC State, they played about how I figured they would play. They pulled it off in the end and got themselves a 24-20 victory. But uh, and winning by only four points got me a victory as NC State was a five-and-a-half point uh, underdog in the game. So one and two, what's that bring my record to on the show? Here? 16 and 14, which can, you know, it, it's not horrible. It's not great, but compared to me, you look like Jimmy the Greek in his prime. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's, you know, let's, let's talk about what you had going on. Oh, oh, first I take Northwestern plus seven at home. They're in the game all, all afternoon, but it was just one of those but days Wisconsin where they just were not going to do it. Right. Pardon? Wisconsin did that. And Wisconsin, you're they do. Against they, they, yeah, they're gonna let you hang around. Just, it's just what's gonna happen in the last four minutes. Yeah, well, they kind of just grounded out, and by mid fourth quarter, they had a twenty-one-seven lead. So my best chance was maybe a push. I didn't get there. So at the end of the day, uh, I take a loss there, twenty-one to seven. Uh, next game, I don't know. I must have been smoking or something. I don't know what I was doing. I took Cal plus seventeen. They looked good early. Went to the locker room, it was 35-20, so I'm thinking to myself, well, I'm going to bed now, but maybe it'll just be one of those games that ends up like 56 to to 42 or something. I wake up, uh, Washington must have got pissed off in that locker room because the final score was 66-27. 
Well, before you run on to the next one, we've neglected to even talk about that. What are we going to do with Washington here? What what's what are the Washington Huskies? Are they legit? Are they real? Um, do you think they're going to end up as one of the, the top four in this thing? And if they do, how much noise? Yeah, they have no they problem because their schedule is going to allow them to play. No matter what, they play U- USC next week at home. They've beat, USC's won five in a row. They give them the name cachet that they need if they win that game. They finish up with the Washington State team that's playing good football, and then they'll have to win a Pac-12 conference championship game against either Utah, Colorado, or USC, one of them. Uh, they have plenty of schedule left. If they win out, they're in the playoff. Trust me, they're in the playoff. I would be a little fearful if I was Washington and, and having a rematch with Utah. I really would be. Oh, no, I'm not saying that they're going to win out. I'm saying that there's enough schedule there that they're in, they're one of your four teams if they win out. They're playing good football. I'm excited. My team's finally playing good football, so hopefully we'll have a good game Saturday. It's at 730. Um, I, I think that's that's a big hurdle for Washington. I'll be interested to see how the Trojans play in this game on the road. Sure. Uh, and, and your, and your, your last one was your win. Ah, well, my only winner was the USC Trojans. I laid all 17 against Oregon. I mean, I told you early in the year, you have to admit, I haven't been right about a lot so far this season, but I told you USC should have been playing this kid from the jump. The red shirt freshman is a stud and I felt like they would take this. Pardon? Good call by you on that one, giving you your Yeah, I didn't have many this year, but he's a stud, and uh, they took a chance to really whack uh, the, the most recent Pac-12 overlord on their way down the ladder. They, they, took, uh, they picked at the carcass Saturday night, 45-20 Trojans. I get a win there. I'm 1-2 and two on the week, 11-18 with a push in college football. So you've got a commanding four-and-a-half game lead on the college side. You need to go on a run, my friend. You need a run right now. You're telling me. <laughs> yeah, you need a you need, you need a back to back three and zero weekend. So you need to make that happen, or you know, I'm not sure you can you uh, you're going to be back next year on the Gridiron Stud Show. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll lose my position. <laughs> yeah, uh, it might be what somebody's telling Brian Kelly right now. So, uh, nevertheless, let's take a break. When we get back, it's NFL time here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay with us. No matter how hard you try, you can stop us now. No matter how hard you try, you can stop us now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one day contest for $25 and get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Studs when you sign up. 
but you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Sure, summer's gone, winter's here, but that doesn't mean everyone's putting their t-shirts away. Whether it's the company recreational basketball team, the youth soccer league for the kids, or the Halloween party your buddy throws every year, t-shirts are as much a part of the American culture as Tom Brady deflating footballs. Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay even higher prices. More colors, more costly. The answer? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. Whether it's your 7-on-7 team, your child's birthday party, or the family reunion, you can do it yourself and they'll look great. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, do the wording whatever you want, print it on your own inkjet paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, and iron it on with your own hand iron. The design or pictures you put on your t-shirts are limited only by your own imagination and creativity. If you dream it up and design it, the paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com can get it onto your t-shirt. By the way, don't worry if you haven't done it before. As T-Shirt Supplies has first-rate customer service, they'll help you get the right paper for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirt, no hyphen, supplies pearl, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. 1-857-85-PAPER. T-ShirtSupplies.com. Go there now. Macho Man Randy Savage, what's the cup for? Oh, wow. Mr. Sarcasm. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. Cup of coffee, man, yeah. Cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. I don't care. No. It doesn't even matter. Cup of coffee, man. Yeah. Man. Wow, man. Freak out. got to have balance. 
the end at the end of the day, you know, just everything fits together in football. I know fans don't want to believe that. A lot of them they want to believe what they see on TV and what the media tells them, but this all fits together like a giant jigsaw puzzle. And when you do that kind of crap, it eventually leads to your defense breaking down and all other kinds of bad things happen. Your protections break down. Uh, you're out there throwing it 40-plus times every game. The ball goes in the air. Woody Hayes said something a long time ago that was very prophetic. Only three things happen when you pass, and two of them are bad. So, well, I don't want to go that know. far because in this day and age, I mean, I, I'm not – I understand that, but the truth of it is – that is a true statement. It may not always work out that way. Good things happen, too. But if you think about it, you know, you can complete the pass, you can throw an incomplete pass, which isn't good, or you can throw an interception. That's yeah, it. Yeah, well, Woody was quite simplistic <laughs> in his uh, yes, breakdown. Yes, he was, but yes, very sometimes simplistic. you need to be simplistic. This is not – this is not that – the game is not as complicated sometimes as we make it out to be. It's still about blocking – tackling and and you know the football the game's about the football don't turn the ball over and if you're on defense take it away well uh three straight games here we don't have a green bay packer with double digit carries in a game and listen um you're going to sit here and tell us well eddie lacy is out of the lineup eddie lacy was not a very popular guy in green bay last year and and eddie lacy and your whole rushing game shouldn't be riding on Eddie Lacy anyway. Come on, Green Bay. Find ways to run the football. But they want to go out there and make it this backyard thing. They want to put everything on Aaron Rodgers. And I've seen this story. Emil, I've been around for 44 years. I've seen this story before. I've seen it several times. I've seen it with Dan Fouts. seen it with Dan Marino. seen it with several others where they think you could just put it all on this quarterback, throw the ball all around, look like a genius, entertain people, and think at the end of the year you're going to be able to beat – good football teams doing that. You think you're going to win in December and January running your offense that way. It's just not going to happen. Well, you're right. I uh, agree hundred percent of course with that statement. And, and more importantly, what happens is that quarterback starts to get into bad habits that become very hard to break as he ages. You know, there's certain things that start happening. You start taking more hits. You start your mechanics start to suffer. You start throwing off your back foot, flinching away from hits. Just bad things happen. And at some point, Aaron Rodgers has to make a, a, a decision in his head that he wants to allow this team to become a more balanced team. Because I always feel that, you know, you said something a long time ago, Marino. And I feel with a lot of these quarterbacks, deep down, quarterbacks, at least some of them, they want to throw the ball. Now, some guys are about winning. I've always felt that was one of the things I liked about Russell Wilson. He came into this league, and it was about, listen, I'll do whatever I need to do within the confines of the team. To you know what I mean? He was not given that crown of being this big-time thrower, uh, this guy with a really live arm and all that. And I think that's that's the downfall for those guys. It happened to a Jeff George. Anyone with a, with a cannon, they feel like they need to use that over and over and over again. It's okay to have that cannon. Just use it when you're supposed to use it. Right, right. But, but don't you agree that there's a certain, even though we have no proof, and, of course, we're doing what we do on this show, we, you know, we speculate – don't you think there's a little resistance, even if it's not outward, that, you know, Rodgers wants to be the guy tossing the ball over the place? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I have no hard evidence of that. But um, if I just go off of historic, historically, this is how those things work. Um, I'm not really interested in having 
uh, I'm Adrian Peterson on this team. That means I got to turn around and give him the ball too much. And then, you know, what about what about my stats and my place in history as a passer? And you know, that yeah. affects. Yeah, I've I've always felt that it you know the the only way it works in pro football, where it's such a player and quarterback driven league, is the quarterback almost has to have enough of an open relationship with the general manager and ownership to 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 give them the almost the wink like, hey, I'm okay with this. Let's let's be balanced. Let's let's win football games, uh, and I don't care if you know if I throw for 200 yards some Sunday and and you know we win the game 28-10, I'm fine with that. Yeah, um, and and. I think that's really what we've got going on here. And what are they going to do next week? Give someone the ball seven, eight times again and expect a win to pop out somewhere? Right now, you know, the Vikings are falling, and that's something else we need to talk about. But the Lions are starting to make moves. I guess in this conference, in this division right here in the north, which has turned really mediocre really fast, um, maybe they can fumble around like this on the schedule and, and hover around 500 football and get into, get into the playoffs at nine and seven. But, it, you know, they're going to be out of it pretty quick if this is the course that they continue. Well, I'll tell you what. The Lions have as good a chance at winning this division right now as anybody after yesterday's win. And I don't know if you got a chance to see the end of that game. Um, I happen to be flipping. I saw the last play. Ended. Absolutely hilarious, too. And I put it up on the Gridiron Stead Show Twitter account. If you missed it, one of the most bizarre and crazy plays. Um, and, and it was done – only the way that Golden Tate could do it. But if you missed it, you can go to GISShowBG.com. I have a Vine clip of that last play. Um, very weird, if that's the word I could use. Well, I'm talking about the situation as it's set up going into before before we even get to overtime. The Vikings have the ball late. They score. Uh, they, they finally punch one in. They take a 16-13 lead with about 23 seconds left in the game. They kick off. There's no return. Uh, so the Lions start on their 25-yard line out of timeouts. First play, he goes to the sidelines for about 9 or 10 yards, gets him to the 35. There's about 17 seconds left. The Lions execute. I mean, Stafford's got a hell of an arm, and, man, he threw an absolute dime down the center of the field. Guy makes a sliding catch to the Viking 40-yard line, picks up a big chunk, 25 yards. They get up and are able to set and, and spike the ball with about two seconds left. In comes Matt Prater, a uh, guy who owns the longest field goal in NFL history. I believe, though, he hit that in Denver's thin air. That was 64 yards. He absolutely mashes a 58-yard field goal. I mean, it was good for more than 58 yards. And this game goes to overtime, and you could just see the look on the Vikings like, oh, damn. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that, and, and the Vikings are uh, quickly falling. You know, I wasn't really on the Vikings bandwagon. Your friend and, and, and uh, mine, Colin Calvert, um, was really, really high on the Vikings a while ago. I you know, didn't really understand why. Uh, I thought it was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Bradford was new, some little different things going on, but uh, you're not able to, to run the ball. I guess that's the theme of the show today, run the damn football. But uh, I figured the Vikings uh, not only couldn't run the ball, you lost Adrian Peterson, and I guess you don't have a capable backup that you feel confident enough to turn around and hand the ball to 18 to 24 times in a game. Um, and you don't even, you don't have big time wide receivers. I mean, Stefan Diggs is your only guy that you can really get the ball to and you can't get him the ball down the field. What Diggs had yesterday, 13, 14 catches and didn't make it to a hundred yards. So you were going to be, yeah, they, 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 
they, they they can't get the ball down the field. Their offensive line can't protect enough to let you get the ball down the field. Their offensive line is a sieve. I mean, it's it's just not good. Um, uh, I know Andre Smith, their one tackle, I believe, is out for the season. Uh, Matt Khalil from my Trojans, who's been a disappointment in the pros a little bit, not quite you know like his brother, who's an all-pro center. Matt's been a little bit of a disappointment, but he's out. And I, I don't know if either one of them are expected to be coming back from IR because you're allowed to bring one guy back every year. Um, so that offensive line, just you, they can't get any kind of protection to allow receivers to get down the field. Yeah, and that's the story for them. But, Emil, if I sit here and, we, and I name off all the NFL divisions, um, mm-hmm. I mean, by God, most of these guys from this division are the black and blue division. Isn't that what they called it? Uh, yeah. Where it's, all, it's about toughness. It's about really bad weather in the winter. Um, it's about tough places to win and play um, in the playoffs. And by virtue, you need to be able to have a ground game. Let, let me tell you where these guys are ranked right now in terms of rushing yards. And for all of the noise that we're making about the Green Bay Packers, do you know right now they are ranked the highest in terms of rushing yards in that division? That tells you everything you need to know. The Packers are 22nd overall in the NFL uh, in terms of rushing yards. And right now, that has them as tops in the NFC North because Detroit's wow. 24, Chicago's 25, Minnesota's 30. I don't know how long wow. are going to last in the Dolly. postseason with that. I just don't no, see. you're not going to last. And, and, and where the record's not a running game. No, the bottom line is, you know, with playing a team like Dallas right now, your best chance is keeping that, their offense off the field because, I mean – if they get they get control of the ball and start running it. There's not many teams that are going to stop that running game. I mean, they, not without committing extra people down into the box, which opens up all other kinds of problems. So, no, you have to be able to run the ball. And in that division, what you just laid out really shocks me because those teams should be building teams that are geared at running the ball in those kind of climates. But apparently it's not a big deal. Yeah, here's your top five rushers in the NFL right now. Of course, Dallas uh, at number one. Tennessee at number two, Buffalo at number three, Oakland number four, Atlanta, surprisingly, Atlanta at number five. And, um, I mean, these are all teams with pretty good chance of going in the postseason. Um, and, and, I mean, they got to fix that. Packers have got to fix I'm tired of the crying every week or the questions about what's going on with the Packers. It's obvious what's going on. Well, and and the Packers are every week by the national media. I mean, we haven't done that. We're we're fairly, I think, honest with our assessment of most of these teams. The national media has a love affair with Aaron Rodgers, so they consistently overrank the Packers. And, uh, you know, at this point, to me, the Packers are a mediocre football team with a great history. I mean, that's what they are right now. I mean, they might wear those uniforms, but they're not – a team that I consider at this point a legitimate threat to win a Super Bowl. I heard somebody going off one of the guys in the games yesterday, you know, the Packers, this is before they lost. When the Packers get healthy, they're going to be a real load to take care of in the playoffs. And you're like, why? Why are they going to be a load to take care of? Yeah, uh, I would ask that question as well. You know who is rising? It's the locals down here, the Miami Dolphins. And sticking with our team, they're on a three-game win streak right now. What do you think is the biggest reason for that? biggest reason is they figure out they have a guy back there who seems to be a pretty damn good running back and they they're letting Tannehill turn around and hand them the ball and J.H.I. has been 
you know, a couple 200-yard games. Even yesterday, he still goes for 110. Uh, he's a big reason they won that game yesterday. And, you know, they've somehow played their way right back into the talk of, of the playoffs in the AFC because if you look at 4-4, four and four, they're right there to, to, to get a wild-card spot. I mean, they're right, they're right in the thick of it right now. Yeah, but before I go getting overly excited about um, their prospects, they've got a tough stretch going up. They've got to go out to San Diego. Um, and then they've got another game against Los Angeles. I, I'm assuming the uh, the MO would be to stay out west. And I don't know whether you go out there, play a game, come all the way back home, go back out there, or you stay out there. Either way, it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. And then and then you know you get San Francisco coming back. It's a whole West Coast thing they've got going on here for for the uh, next three weeks. But uh, and then after that, they yeah. Well, their up. season, their season will be a lot of it could be determined in these next couple of weeks. What they do with this mini road, you know, road trip, as they say in baseball, as you point out, two West Coast games. Um, the Rams aren't playing very good football right now. The Chargers are, you know, probably one of the better four and five teams you'll ever see. I mean, they do some goofy things coaching wise, and they let teams stay in games. But the Chargers have some talent out there, especially some young talent. You know, with Bosa and uh, the uh, the other guy in their defense eludes me right now the name, but but they have a couple of really good young players from his draft, and Phil Rivers is is a, he can be a load when he gets hot. So that'll be a tough game next week for Miami. Probably tell us a little bit about where they're at right now. Yeah, I mean they're really going to have to rely on that uh, on that ground game that they have com- totally sparked here over the uh, last few weeks. I think that's four straight, um, you know, three or four straight. 100-yard games for uh, Jay Ajayi, the running back for the Dolphins. Actually, he had back-to-back 200-yard games and uh, came up with 100 yards in their win over the Jets. So uh, that's where we are on that. Let's talk a little bit about some of the the picks that we had this weekend. Um, You know, let's start with the fantasy focus because, you know what, listen, your college football picks uh, leave much to be desired, but um, you're beating me up in this whole fantasy football thing. And, again, I just want to talk to Fantasy Football Focus is sponsored by FanDuel.com. Get all of your daily – get your entire daily fantasy football fix at FanDuel.com. Awesome app, uh, awesome way uh, the, the, this whole program is run. FanDuel.com is the place to go if you want to get into this whole rush that there is on, on daily fantasy sports. So visit FanDuel.com and put in the promo code GridironStuds and get yourself a nice bonus to get started. But aim will uh, – Let's talk about the, the uh, fantasy football focus. First of all, um, I got that I, the most deadly thing that you can have happen to you in a fantasy football contest is is what? Your guy doesn't well, – your guy's inactive. A, 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 an injury or a benching or anything like that can kill you. Yeah, so I took a fat zero on my running back, Carlos Hyde. Um, I, you know, I – I was a little concerned making the pick because I knew he was questionable battling some kind of an injury, but I felt from the reports that I got that he'd be fine. He was not fine. Inactive in the game. So right off, right off the bat, I'm sitting there with a zero. Um, Andrew Luck had a decent, not a great game, a decent game against the Green Bay Packers in their win, uh, but certainly nothing to make up for the zero I got on a running back. Uh, Andrew Luck cost me 8000 and he ended up getting 14.7, uh, 74 points. And then, uh, you know, I had to go a little bargain uh, with, the, with the wide receiver since I spent some money on uh, Andrew Luck. And Kenny Britt uh, was who I came up with. Had a decent day, you know, considering he uh, spent 6 k on him to stay under the salary cap. Came up with 12.9 points. A decent day. But, again, 
Um, not enough to overcome the big fat zero I got with Carlos Hyde. I mean, uh, 20 points out of Carlos Hyde, who's relied upon pretty decently in that San Francisco offense, could have gotten me a win. But uh, I guess there's no crying in football. There's no crying, I guess, in fantasy football. So I know no crying in fantasy football, Chad. Yeah, well, I'm going to dry my eyes. 27.64 points. Uh, not enough to overcome what you did. So um, you can talk about that. Yeah, you can give you can give them my scores here. First, we started off with Dak Prescott. Um, I I just felt like yeah, Dallas Dallas will run the ball against the Browns. Dallas will do whatever they want to do against the Browns. <laughs> Pretty much. I thought can't this, this would be a good game. Pardon? I can't wait to talk about that uh, Browns pick that I made. Yeah, you took the stains as I call them. Um, so anyway, Dak Dak went off on uh on this game in fantasy. He had three touchdown passes, no interceptions, two hundred and forty seven, two hundred and fifty yards passing. So how many points does that get me? Well, it's a whole yeah, bunch. That amounts to twenty three point nine points. So like already you uh were beating me there. I mean pretty pretty damn close. Again, I ended up with twenty seven point six four uh six four points. Your quarterback almost took me out. Yeah. Then I went to Darren Sproles as a little bit of a bargain guy. I mean, he is – the Eagles' offense basically runs through Darren Sproles. Uh, he didn't find the end zone yesterday, but he did what Sproles did. He got you a few points here and there. He ran for 57 yards, caught a couple balls for only 14 yards. Every once in a while he'll pop one of those. So that probably got me, what, another seven points? 8.6 points. He, you know, he nibbled out yards like he does. You know, he'll shake and bake his way to some yards. And so uh, at that point he had already beaten my score, but – uh, let's talk about what you did at wide receiver. And then finally, you know, I, I looked at the Packers and to your, the point of this whole segment, that's all they like to do is throw the ball. And, I, you know, I'm trying to find a guy that can fit in the cap. Uh, you know, you can always go to obviously Jordy Nelson, but I said that's too obvious. Let's let's find another of the secondary receivers. And I threw Devontae Adams out there. He caught four balls for 41 yards, but one of them was a touchdown. So I'm assuming what's that get me, 11, 12 more points? 12.1 points, uh, always lovely when you can get uh, a touchdown from one of those second or third tier guys on a team that you're picking up at, uh, at you know, kind of low rent. I mean, Adams was 7.1K, not not as much of a bargain as a Sproles who was 4,800, but uh, nevertheless, the 12.1 points just added insult to my injury. You ended up winning uh, 44.6 to 27.64. Right? I guess we could just start rounding these things up to make it like real football score. So 45 to uh, 28, you defeated me again. And what's that, what's that put us at here? I'm four and one now against you. Good grief. Talk about needing a run. You need a college football. You know what that's all about, Chad? The football gods are stroking my, my, my very, um, what's the word? Fragile ego. Yeah. My bruised ego because they know, they don't want me to go look for a bridge nearby or anything because, uh, you know, let's just hop right into our picks because, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go first in this sec- segment because mine were uh, an absolute disaster. Uh, I started off, you know, I took the Eagles. And the Eagles did Which their best sense. version. Uh, Amy, me? Me, this, the pick made sense. It made perfect sense. Listen, Doug Peterson is becoming Andy Reid 2.0 with some of his game management decisions down there in Philly. Um, for those of you who didn't see the game, the Eagles lose the game 28-23. Early in the game, Carson Wentz looks a little bit like a rookie, throws a couple picks. He rebounds, throws for over 300 yards in the game. The Eagles go up and down the field. They twice 
They twice pass on field goals in this game, deep in giant territory, to go for fourth down plays. One of them, they run a sweep with Darren Sproles on a fourth and one. I'm still trying to figure out the play call. So they leave points on the field there. They get a field goal. No one wants to get physical up front anymore, man, even on fourth and one. Fourth and one, right. They they get a field goal blocked earlier in the game, more points left on the field. So finally, at the end of this game, I'm sitting there on the Giants' 20-yard line. The Eagles have the ball down 28-23. Any of those points, if any of them are taken at any point in the game, it's pretty safe to say they might have had a chance at a game-winning field goal, but definitely could have covered for me. But no. I take no. a five-point loss here. No. Then... My other pick, I go and I take the New York Jets plus four against your hometown Dolphins. The Jets have they a three-point lead. They had it, but they, they had it, right? Hit. The Jets going to be the Jets. They kick off. They're offside on the kickoff. They kick off again, and next thing you know, I see a Dolphin guy running down the sidelines untouched with a kick return. Still one of the most exciting plays in football. The Dolphins win by four. I guess I should be happy I didn't lose. I took a push there. And then finally, you can elaborate when we get to this because we went against against one another. I foolishly took the Denver Broncos, and I texted Chad during the game last night. I said, this team is going nowhere with this kid playing quarterback. I'm sorry. There's no way. I thought you were being a little harsh on Trevor Simeon. I mean, uh, it it wasn't that bad. The Raiders are hot right now. Okay, whatever. You can defend Trevor. What are you, a closet Northwestern fan? Now, anyway, I go no wins. Two losses, a push. My NFL record is nine and sixteen with two pushes. This okay, is I need that fantasy level. focus. Yeah, very. I unlike. need very, that very fantasy unlike. focus. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to beating you in the fantasy football next week. But um, if I do, I will. A part of me will feel bad, given how all the other things <laughs> are going. Right? I suppose if I beat you in this next week, you'll probably come up with a good college and football, a college and NFL. Um, Pick plate, if we could say that. All right, in the NFL I better. Uh, yesterday, I did, you know, don't let me do this again, okay? Um, like, end the show if I try to take the Cleveland Browns again, because this is the ultimate situation for you to slide in and catch a team napping. Um, I guess some of this could be the Cowboys' strength. This tells me something about an NFL team when they can come off of the kind of win that the Cowboys had last week and then come out the next week and – um, put together a performance like they did yesterday, even though it's the Browns. Every every opportunity in the world to fall asleep. And instead, the Cowboys win their seventh game in a row and do it in an impressive fashion, and the whole Dak Tony thing uh, can continue taking on a life of its own. And a part of me, Amo, feels like Jerry Jones likes that whole little drama he's got going on. You remember the you remember the uh, nighttime soap opera Dallas. Oh yeah, he. I think Jerry likes the attention. No, there's no uh, such thing as bad attention, you know. Yeah, he's at the point now. The little quotes that I see him uh, making about the whole situation is like he's trying to keep that fire lit, um, while I think, all the while knowing you can't put Tony Romo back in at quarterback, but he's going to keep it a story as long as he can. So uh, that's sure. what you got on there. So the Browns lose because that's because it's Sunday, and that's what Cleveland does on a Sunday. <laughs> Um, the Saints went out and handled their business. We didn't even get to really talk about uh, the San Francisco 49ers and Chip Kelly. Hey, listen, um, there's talk that Phil Knight is uh, tired. He's, uh, I mean, you usually are when you're deep into your 70s, but he's tired of not 
having that ultimate moment in college football, and he's willing to just open up uh, the bank and stroke the highest check that he can for uh, a college football coach. Maybe Chip Kelly should get back on that. Um, it's time to go. This thing didn't work. Stop. Go back. Go. I mean, I don't really advocate for guys going back to a program that they left, but for $10 million, go back. Um, oh, and, for ten million dollars, he'd be silly. I mean, if I was him, I'd be calling Phil Knight, uh, you know, this evening and saying, "Phil, yeah. I'm willing to come back." Well, I mean, really, like do something to get fired in San Francisco and head over to Oregon and start, you know, doing a little side recruiting and all that. Nevertheless, though, uh, it worked out for me. I took the Saints. Didn't think the 49ers would have anything, and they surely did. The Saints went out there on grass, by the way, rolled up some points, got a comfortable win, and then uh, in our little head-to-head matchup last night between Oakland and Denver. Oakland comes out on top, and Oakland looking strong, my friend. We'll talk about that as we uh, end the show uh, here in just a minute with our top five uh, teams, both yours and mine. But Oakland uh, played a strong game last night, looked like a really damn good football team and got the win. So I ended up 2-1. and one. What am I on the season in the NFL? 14-12 and 12 with a push. So you're doing quite well in the NFL, holding your head above water. Uh, that's very, very nice. I, I'm I not killing you know, one of these things. Uh, I've been good over the last few weeks, but I, I will pat and rub my back. Uh, just being above 500 in both college and NFL, it's usually one or the other for me. So um, Can, I, can I point out you know. something I wish I really studied? You know, I know Oakland, by the way, going into that game, you know, I like the Oakland offensive line. As you know, I'm a big offensive line fan, okay? I like teams that are powerful up front. And, you know, most people will tell you they probably have the second-best line in the league behind the Cowboys. It's a massive line. They get great push up front. I really should have studied that Denver defense more. Denver has built a defense that, that basically is built to take on a lot of these AFC offenses, but Denver is very weak against the run. Matter of fact, coming into the game yesterday, they were saying they were 24th, and I mean, oh, you can see the that was exposed. They'll rush the heck out of, out of uh, someone dropping back. Oh, yeah, they'll go after you, but man, the, the, the Oakland just said, well, the hell with that. You can go rush the passer all you like. They just lined it up and ran it at them. Yeah, pretty much. That's really how that thing went. Uh, Latavius Murray, an underrated back, in my opinion, uh, comes up with a great night, and, you know, Oakland looks like a deal. All right, listen, let's slide into um, our top five, yours and mine, uh, in the NFL. Let's see how close we come together. I mean, it's, you know, it's funny, Emil, and uh, just to, uh, as an aside, you and I were talking yesterday, and uh, I threw that question out to you. How many well-run franchises are there in the NFL? And then I coupled that up with how many teams have a shot every year to make it uh, deep into the playoffs and, and to the Super Bowl. And you came up with eight names, and I can't disagree with it. But without revealing those, um, I guess I just throw that out there to come back and say – Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, let, let, let's let, – listen, let's each give a team, and we'll go up the list. I'll, I'll say my number five, you say yours. Now, I have a feeling I know where we're going to disagree, maybe not in order as much as you're a closet fan that of a team I know you're going to want to put higher than I think they deserve at this point. But anyway, well, my number see. five is the key. My number five is the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'll tell you why. They're quietly 6-2, and two, and they basically won a game yesterday, albeit against Jacksonville, with their second team playing. They're, they had two running backs out, their quarterback, their wide receiver ended up on the sidelines in the game, and yet they still win the game, which shows me that that team has some strength. They, they play defense every week. I understand they're boring. They're a little bit like the Wisconsin of the NFL, but every year, the last few years since Andy Reid's got there, 
they're right in the thick of things. So I've got them at number five. Okay, uh, my number five is the Atlanta Falcons, and um, you know, just to just to tell you, I teetered between two teams for that number five spot, and uh, the other the other one was the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm just not on the Chiefs because I just don't see a lot of games there against what I would call winners right now. Um, schedule's been a little bit soft for Kansas City. Um, you know, the Chargers, who have been, you know, a little bit tragic. Uh, the Texans, uh, the Jets, you, you finally face a good team in the Steelers, and you got punched really hard in the mouth. You did get a win at Oakland, best thing that I think they've done this year. And then Saints, Colts, Jaguars. I just – I didn't see enough there on that schedule for me to um, – to keep the Atlanta Falcons out because I just, I'm a little bit more impressed with what the Falcons have done this year. Uh, you know, beating the Packers, um, playing really, really hard in Seattle, almost winning that game, winning at Denver, um, you know, beating up on the Panthers. Well, you know, the Panthers aren't the greatest team in the world right now, but uh, going and winning at the Saints, tough place, um, winning in Oakland, just, I, I just, a tougher schedule there for me. And, um, and that's why I have them in there. And, and you know, they're running the football, um, as we found out when I went through the ranking, surprised to see them that high. And um, they're really balanced offensively. And, and, and while they may have some shortcomings defensively, I just like where Atlanta is right now. I have them at number five. Okay, well, f- fair enough, because we're not that far off at that point, because my number four is the Atlanta Falcons. I like, you know, you talked about it on Monday show, Matt Ryan is hot. Um, for my money, Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL, and they've made an effort to run the football, which I think you know really helps balance that offense out and save the defense. So, you know, I like what they're doing down there, and I've got the Atlanta Falcons at number four. All right. Well, this would come up now with uh, this will bring up I think the point that you were trying to make um, about me and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know what? You could make the argument maybe the Chiefs belong here again ahead of Seattle. But um, I think this is where the Seahawks belong. And we're going to get a chance to look at them tonight as they take on the Bills at home. Now, if they lose to the Bills, um, then, you know, obviously I've made a mistake in this pick here, and they probably don't belong in the top five at all. I hardly expect that to happen coming off of a loss against the Saints. But uh, Seattle struggles offensively, but you just can't deny the way that they play defense. And you know what they say about defenses, right? I I know, but I look at that team and at, at two and four with a push, a tie against Arizona. I also say, see a team that easily – now, and I know you can do this with a lot, but we, we specifically talked about each of these games. The Miami game early in the year, you know, they needed a Miami receiver to drop a ball that if it was a spear would have killed them. Uh, you know, the Atlanta game, we know about the little bit of the call at the end of that game, and that happens every week. But still, at home, two two games that usually the Seahawks dominate, you know, they, they need to find ways to win. They get beat by New Orleans last week. The tie against Arizona, frankly, I mean, the the kicker missed a high school extra point. I, I don't know. Like, right now, I, I hear you. Their defense is world class, but until they fit fix that offense – they're susceptible to upset every week because they're always in a in a dogfight. Yeah, I hear you. Some teams just play close to the best. Uh, their only two losses are on the road. Um, they are combined in those two games. You know, they've lost by 11 points. 
And uh, that's, I mean, that's just where I have them. But again, uh, I'm, yeah, I got yeah, no, I mean, listen, it, they, they may go out and put one on Buffalo tonight, and I'll be, I'll be ranking them in my top five next week then too. So okay, fair enough. We go to three? number three. Uh, I've, I've got uh, the team that played last night. I can't keep them out of here. I mean, the Oakland Raiders. How, how did Al Davis say it? The Raiders. The Raiders. Yep, the, the commitment to excellence is back. The Raiders are 7-2. and two. Uh, They looked the part last night as they uh, throttled the Broncos, so I've got them as strong number three right here. Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, we agree on that. Uh, did you know? that the uh, Oakland Raiders are currently undefeated on the road this season. That's impressive. Um, their, their lone losses were against the Falcons and the Chiefs. Both of those games are at home. They're on a three-game win streak, uh, albeit two of those three teams aren't the greatest teams in the world. But nevertheless, in the NFL, you rejoice anytime you get a win. At 7-2, hard to keep the Oakland Raiders out of this thing. And uh, they're rolling along offensively. So I've got them at number three also. I don't think we're going to disagree. Yeah, so, so see, our, our top five isn't that much different. I told you before the show, I'll be surprised if it's that much different. Now, we'll see. Number two, um, well, first of all, I'm going to say, I'm going to make my number two pick. If, if if anybody comes up with a different number one, I think they're having Bloody Marys for breakfast. My number two is my favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. I hate to throw the jinx on them before the game with Pittsburgh next week because uh, I think the Steelers will be a desperate group in that game. But going into the game, it's hard to deny seven in a row, and they've looked the part. I mean, they've been pretty much handling their business most weeks, uh, so it's hard for me to keep them out of the number two spot. Yeah, my number two spot uh, is the New England Patriots. And, I mean, it's just so easy for us to say, uh, let's just put New England in there. But let's look at it. I mean, Tom Brady came back, all right? Uh, first game is against the Cleveland Browns loosely an NFL franchise. Uh, then you take on the Bengals at home, who are having all types of struggles. Then you're at uh, Pittsburgh, who you just did not look like a very good team last week. Well, Landry no. Jones played that game as well, by exactly. the way. I remember Roethlisberger yeah, so, didn't play. Right. So we'll throw that in there as well. And then you, you were on a big revenge game against the Bills, who got you early in the season. I mean, no, you're not going to lose to the Bills if you're the New England Patriots, um, you know, twice in the same season. Um, I'm going to wait a little bit before I make the New England Patriots the top team. Um, because, you know, we're in this day and age. Did you get, did you get the, did you get the, uh, the New England Patriots are my number one team. I was just going to ask you, did you get, uh, like the, the olives in your Bloody Mary this morning? No, no, I kept the olives out. Um, so that allowed me a little bit of clarity here, but let's, let's slow down a little bit on that. Yeah, the really uh, I have them yeah. clearly as the number one team. I no, hear everything I you're saying, there. but I can't put them there, game. Well, you know what? Let me see them against the Seahawks next week. Let me see them against somebody real. This whole uh, Tom Brady love that we've got going on. Yeah, he's cutting them up. Well, who's he playing against? Let me see him okay, against well. the Seahawks. Um, and then there's nothing else coming up after that. 49ers and Jets. He's going to continue to have his way. Then they get the Rams at home. This is a very very nice schedule for them. Um, it's nice the rest of the way. I think that might be a little bit of a house of cards, Emil. That Raiders-Cowboys thing might really happen. But, okay, um, that's where I'm at. Go ahead and tell me why you think they're the number one team. You want me to tell you why I think they're the number one team? Yeah, lay it on think they have the Shower me with Tom Brady love right now. I think they have the best quarterback in the game. I'm, I'm, you know, listen, as much as people love Aaron Rodgers, I'm sorry. I'll take the guy who went to six Super Bowls and won four of them. I think they have a football mad scientist at coach. 
which makes every matchup with them difficult. And that combination of Gronkowski, Gronkowski now with Bennett, when they can line both of those guys up on the field, that makes that offense very difficult to defend because, you know, you've you got to figure out a way to cover two massive tight ends that can actually move. And if, if they decide they want to run it, both of them are good blockers. And Blunt's having a good year. I think they're fifth in the league in rushing. So right now, I mean, as much as I'd like you to be right, I don't think you are. But anyway, who's your I number one nothing. team now? Yeah, I have, I have the Giants. Yeah, my my number one teammate. Remember my pick on the Giants being twelve and four. I had olives in in the drink that day. But listen to me. Uh, here's here's where I am with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, they're seven and one football team. Their lone loss this season was against a divisional foe with their rookie making his first start playing ever in an NFL football game, and they lost the game by one point. Since then. Dallas has ripped off seven wins in a row. They do stuff like go on the road and beat the Redskins, um, a divisional foe, and then come back the next week and have absolutely zero letdown uh, in their next game against the Bears. They go all the way out west. They beat the San Francisco 49ers, come back, beat the Bengals at home. Then you go to Green Bay. And for everything we said about Green Bay, still a tough place to go and get a victory. They beat them by two touchdowns. And then you come back off of a big win like that, because it's a big win anytime you beat the Green Bay Packers. They come and get themselves a victory against the Philadelphia Eagles, a divisional foe at home and primetime football game. Again, oh, by the way, with a rookie at quarterback who doesn't look like a rookie. So where you should let down after a, you know, a game like that, they go yesterday. And yes, it's the Cleveland Browns, but no hint of, at all of not being mentally where they need to be. Smash the Browns by 25 points. To me, Emil, that's the number one team in the NFL right now, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. I have nothing to go on right now with the New England Patriots. Let me see Tom Brady in a game against um, a team that's really semi-real this year. And then, you know, they go out and they mash the Seattle Seahawks next week. They go beat them by double digits. Uh, They win by 10 points. Then maybe now I can go say the Patriots are number one. Right now, the Cowboys at 7-1 with one loss by a point with their rookie making his first start. Got to be number one for me. That's where I'm at. Well, you know what? What a way to end the show. We have a whole audience out there cleaning their ears this morning, saying, am I hearing this guy? The only thing left would be if Chad, the blue Democrat, tells you tomorrow morning he voted for Wednesday that he voted for Trump. That's the only thing left right now. because He's singing with Cowboys phrases louder than I am. Oh, my God. going to write in David Duke tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, that's where we are. And you're right. It is a great way to end this show. We want to thank all of you for listening to uh, the weekend wrap. We went a little long today, but hey, interesting talk. A lot of football, so we couldn't really smash all that into one A lot hour. of football. Yeah, we appreciate you all listening. I'm back on again tomorrow because, uh, again, the Great Iron Stud Show is daily at 10 a.m. here. So uh, I'm back on tomorrow. Emil rejoins me on Friday for the famed Football Friday show. Um, and so on, until tomorrow, enjoy the show. Uh, thanks for listening. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. It's the Gridiron Stuff Show. All you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges?
Pop up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.